Good morning. Fantasy football. Welcome into our podcast today. All fired up, man. I, uh, Cody, um, why don't you like uh, tell us how you're doing? Tell us, uh, tell us how you're feeling right now about your fantasy teams. Uh, quarter of the way through the season. How are you feeling about yeah. the season overall right now? Dude, I feel like it's actually been a nut season. Like, there is productivity coming left and right from just about every position, except for like it. It feels like, except for the players you need to produce, <laughs> everybody right. else in the league's producing, except for like right. your guys like DeAndre Hopkins ain't producing. You know, Mike Evans just started producing. Michael Thomas without Drew Brees. It just feels like your stars aren't producing, but there's just a crop of like mediocre talent that like is left and right producing. All right, can we talk about this real quick? Um... I, I just because you meant stars. Um, looking back at the top three rounds in drafts this year, I was talking to my buddy about this earlier. Um, how many wide receivers would you say have lived up to their ADP in terms of wide receivers in the first three rounds? One, Julio Jones. No, no. Okay, let's talk. Let's let's have a conversation about this. Okay. First round, who do we have? DeAndre Hopkins. He hasn't lived up to his. Yep, Michael Thomas. Deva- Michael Tom. I would say that Michael Thomas is the only first round wide receiver who has lived up to his. But he had, but it hasn't been Michael Thomas numbers. He's lived up. He's been a viable fantasy option, but he hasn't been what you drafted him to be. Ha- okay, so he hasn't. I wouldn't say he's surpassed anything that you draft. But like you draft him to be that stable option week in week out that's giving you 15, 20 points a game. Is he's not doing that? I would say he's doing that. But I mean, again, like, ha- has there been anything he's done that just like, yeah, I've got Michael Thomas. Like I'm set. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel that, and it's like you're not, you're not like stoked that you drafted Michael Thomas, but you're also not upset that you drafted Michael Thomas versus guys like Odell Beckham, who's had only had one good game, or guys like Hopkins, who hasn't turned it on yet, or Devonta Adams, who's had one really oh big game. Oh my but hurt, he had a monster like, game, and now he's hurt. Or, oh, you hold on, Ju- before- or you have Juju, who's like who hasn't had his blow up game yet. And Juju's been- benchable at this point. No, before right, we get no, too far, we'll talk about it later. And then hold Julio, on, before- Julio's before- only had like one good game as well, so it's like Julio hasn't even done this thing yet. And we're talking yeah. about another guy like Mike Evans, who's only had one big blow up game. He got saved true, by a nice touchdown last week. Like Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, like. Like well, okay, so wait, wait a second. So you're right. So there's, well, hold on. Before we move too far, Michael Thomas, let's not jar too far away from that. He said one game with 100 yards and one game with a touchdown. Yeah, so how many fantasy points he had? Like, he's been consistent. Let's be Yeah, right. 25, 18, 16, 18. Okay, that's all, dude, that's, okay, I'm stoked with that. As as a guy who drafts Michael Thomas, cool, I'm happy with that. Like, but these other guys are, like, guys that you're just like, dude, like, it's. You're right. Like, like right. Diggs, Bra- Steelers, Even Brandon Cooks. Yeah, Cooks as well. Like, he's another guy. I would say the only two guys. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen and Amari Cooper are the two guys that you drafted in the first three rounds. That Michael Thomas, Keenan, Amari Cooper are the three guys you drafted in the top three rounds to where you haven't lost value on them as receivers. Like, honestly, like any other receiver you, you drafted in the first three rounds, you aren't feeling good about. Tyree Kill as well. Tyree Kill as well. He's freaking hurt, man. Like, well, I mean, yeah, that's... Uh, I know, but, yeah, like, but, I like, agree. but like, honestly, like, how crazy is that? And then we're looking at the fourth round, we see guys like Godwin balling, we see Cooper Cup balling, Tyler Lockett, like... Those are the guys that Tyler Boyd as well. It's like, man, like, those are the yeah. guys that should, maybe should have been drafted higher. Like, the mediocre players are really stepping it up this year. Yeah, so it's it's kind of left this void to where if you've drafted even Allen or Robinson, like who was drafted like mm-hmm. mid mid rounds, like Allen Robinson's been better than DeAndre Hopkins this year. Yeah, no, dude, it's wild. So hopefully, hopefully things start to even themselves out and these stars really start to perform. But um, regardless, I just kind of did want to touch on that because I thought it was just a interesting little nugget that I was thinking about earlier today. 
Um, yeah. Well, before we move on away from that, but and if you are even deeper, besides the mid round guys who are, who are you know holding teams together, it's actually the late round flyers who are the ones that are winning you guys mm, weeks. Yeah, yeah. Like Perry McLaurin, Hollywood Brown, AJ Brown. It's people like that that are that are producing the league winning numbers. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like guys like DJ Chark as well doing his thing over there. It's like it's stupid. It's wild, and hopefully, like. We needed to even out at some point. We needed point. to even out, man, because it's not good. And these, like, yeah, you have guys like uh, just looking at some of the top scores, man. It's freaking and wide receivers at least like they're the, they're the ones that are bowling out right now. You look at guys like Charks, a top twelve receiver. Mano Santa, John Ross, even Fitz, a late guy. Tyrell Williams, another late guy. Like Cortland Sutton's getting tons of targets. Cortland Sutton. All right, yeah. so let me ask you this stupid question, and let's just yeah. see what you think about uh-huh. it. You redo a draft right here, right now. Uh, it's a redraft league, mm-hmm. 12 team. Mm-hmm. Are you taking Cooper Cup over DeAndre Hopkins? Dude, no, 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 don't laugh. It's a serious question. I'm glad you- I'm glad you bring this question up just so we could talk about how good Cooper Cup is, but um, no, no, I'm I refuse to go that far. But like, <laughs> but like, you know, no, no, and now now that, now that we're on the topic and now we're on the discussion, like, like Cooper Cup is elite and. I like my, one of my biggest regrets this offseason is going to be not drafting enough Cooper Cup. And it w- I wasn't drafting him because I didn't believe in the talent. Like, you look at the stats, you look at the numbers. This guy was the most efficient. Like, he, him and Cooks were neck and neck in terms of efficiency last year at the Rams. My concern was he got injured halfway through the season last year. Week 10. And we, like, we usually see it with these guys coming off ACLs. It usually takes one full season for them to really start to get back, or maybe like into the second half of the year to really start to hit their groove. But, dude, like, he hit the ground running, and he's, like, we look at his last three games, even after this Monday night game, like, 26, 27, 33, night, yeah. 17. And I know he ha- I know he has um, an extra game on everyone else, but he's the number one receiver by 18 points. So he's still going to be comfortably inside the top five after this week. And, you know, if Keenan doesn't have a big game, like, we could be looking at Cooper Cup as the number one receiver after five weeks. And this is not a fluke at all. Like, this is a guy that, you know... He's legit, like, dude. He's the elite. He he was doing this last year. He was a wide receiver one last year, before he went down as well. So, um, like, props out to him. Props to everyone to like who believed in him and like wasn't deterred by the fact that he had this ACL injury or any injuries. And you know, Cody, maybe this is something that maybe we have to look at good players and maybe the ACL injuries. You know, with the new medicine, maybe it's not a big of a deal as we've seen in the past with other players. Or maybe this is just like an outlier incident to where a guy like Cooper Cup is now just balling out. and He just kind of ahead of the curve on his ACL recovery. Yeah, so I, I kind of did my research into, into Cooper Cup, especially coming back into the season and, you know, how well he's performed the last few weeks. Is Actually, Cooper Cup, so when he came back from the ACL, he actually had a say and what was happening during his rehab, which isn't mm-hmm. common. And the things that we're focusing on were actually his cuts. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, being able to juke and make a defender miss was actually was an important part of his step in rehabilitation, which is not common. And they knew that was a big part of his game, so they focused on that. And I think that's played well into it because he's making people miss left and right. He's got to be top 10 in yards after or yards after contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, he's, uh, he's doing everything right right now. And it's crazy, and it's... It's come at the expense of 
Cooks. Like, we, so, so, so like last last year, what we saw was right. It was it was a cup game and it was a Woods game and it was a Cooks game. Like all three were top sixteen wide receivers last year, and they had their moments and they had their games. Usually, we saw two of those players have like good games. Maybe one would have a big game, and then maybe one of the guys would have like a down game, whatever. But this year, we're seeing Cooper Cups taking that step. And that's come at the expense of Robert Woods and, and Brandon Cooks because we've only seen one massive game out of Woods and we've only seen one good game out of Cooks where they've had like mediocre games in the process. But like if Cup is continuing this onslaught right now, um, I'm not I'm not discouraged by Cooks or Woods, but we have to have reasonable expectations the rest of the season that like there's only so many targets going around. If Cup's consistently getting it, like there, there's going to be more inconsistencies with Woods and Cooks than we had hoped when we drafted them. Like th- that, that's just the truth and the reality of it. Like these guys maybe aren't high end wide receiver twos that we drafted. Maybe they're more like high end wide receiver threes, low end wide receiver twos in the process. This Cup becomes this almost elite wide receiver one that we're looking at this year. And do you think that's what it is? Um, I think that's definitely where it's trending. Um, I'm still, I'm still confident in both Woods and, and Cooks to not like. Yeah. Like, so before before we get too far away from that one, Woods is still averaging ten targets a game. He had nine tonight. Yeah. I mean, w- Woods is there. I'm more concerned about Brandon Cooks simply because in the past he's always been at I don't want to say a one trick pony, but out of the three, he's been the deep threat more or less. Who you know who runs the deeper routes, and it almost seems like Jared Goff is playing it safer because Cooper Cup is down there and he knows where Cooper Cup is. And that's what's working for them is the short routes with Cooper Cut, mm-hmm. and we'll get to Everett in a second. But I, I almost think it's more or less like that where it, it, it is what it is at this point, and they're going to play a game that's catered towards, you know, Cup and, and Everett and the tight ends and, and stray away from what Cooks can do and what Cooks has been known to do and historically has been productive at fantasy because of. See, here, here's, here's the reason why I'm not bailing on Cooks. Cooks has historically been great. Um He's one of, I mean, he's had four straight 1,000-yard seasons. To have, I think he's one of, like, 10 players in NFL history to um, have four 4,000-yard seasons um, before your 25th birthday. Like, Brandon Cooks is only 25 years old. He's now entering his uh, sixth year in the league. All we've seen Cooks do is be consistent. Like, I would say if I were to bank on a guy outside a cup that I feel more confident on between Cooks and, and Woods, it's definitely going to be Brandon Cooks for me just because of that track record. Because I know I know that he's a good player. Obviously, Woods as well. Like, don't get me wrong. Woods is a great player. But Brandon Cooks is such a good player to where we saw him get 16 points and 20 points and 13 points. And he obviously left this game early to an injury. But, like, those are still, like, pretty good numbers in a sense, and he's going to have his weeks. As, as teams start focusing on Cup and realizing that, hey, maybe Cup is this the top-notch wide receiver, maybe instead of him being the 1A, 1B, 1C, maybe he is the, the 1, and then Cooks and Woods are the, the, two, the 2A and 2B. Maybe if they start focusing on Cup, that's going to open up things deep for Cooks. Like we saw it last week against Tampa, like, like Jared Goff had Cooks deep for a nice, like, nice, pretty nice chunk of a game being potentially even been a touchdown he just missed them so like the opportunities are there and um i think things are going to start turning around for cooks as well but, yeah but, so speaking on on you know all these receivers is one man is throwing the ball and that's yeah. jared goff who put up 395 yards a touchdown one interception a week after he set career highs in yards and attempts and set what was i think he was third in history nfl history for you know attempts 
Jared Goff's actually not a bad QB mid one right now. The man's actually put even even if you only look and say, okay, he had one touchdown, one interception. Okay, mm-hmm. he had almost four hundred yards. Mm-hmm. I mean. Jared Goff's doing his thing and is a viable QB one right now. Yeah, hundred percent. It's something that we've always thought. It was like these wide receivers. Like, th- think think what you want about Jared Goff as a quarterback or Sean McVay or, or whatever. Like, you can't deny the fact that the receivers and the weapons around him are so talented to where, like, you have Anybody to be you it. have to be extru- like, like for you not to put up what Jared Goff's doing, you have to be pretty freaking. You'd have to be Ryan Tannehill to not be successful basically, in this offense. Basically, like, yeah, you have to be, like, basically benchable quarterback in order to not be successful. So, like, yeah, maybe Jerry Goff isn't as good as maybe we hoped or thought he's going to be, but it doesn't matter. We're talking fantasy. Like you said, he's they're, they're throwing the ball a ton. He has these great receivers around him. And, not, I mean, like, I mean, it's not something that we definitely have to transition into. It's, like, uh, maybe they're getting another good weapon in there. <laughs> Gerald Everett, like, this is a guy that uh, um, I know was someone that, um, was a, a nice sleeper tight end for a lot of people. So he was a guy I picked up in a few of my leagues when I had when I had much deeper rosters. He was a guy I was picking up as you know a little like flyer tight end um, guy. But he's really coming into his own. Cody, I didn't actually get to watch the game. I just kind of like looked at the numbers. I saw a couple plays from Everett here and there. But um, I want to know like from your opinion, does Gerald Everett like look legit? Is he working over Tyler Higby consistency? Like what what did you see out of Gerald Everett tonight? Yes and no. I mean, Higby still had his. He still had three catches, 47 yards. I think Gerald Everett was just so far advanced, you could say. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. Like, Gerald Everett obviously needs to be added in all leagues. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But the question, and especially with, you know, Brandon Cooks going down, but Mm -hmm. the question becomes is do you plug him in right away or do you want to see another week of it? I think you need to see another week of it. Just my opinion. I don't. I I personally don't. Like, so my, my thing with Gerald Everett is he was always a guy I had my eye on, right? Like, he was the prototypical sleeper tight end, uh, entering uh, his uh, third year in the league. He was a second-round pick. So we usually see tight ends break out second or third year, right? So he's entering that third year, right? Last year we saw it when he was getting opportunities. He had he had a stretch of games where um, 48 yards, 49 yards, and then he had three straight games with uh, six or more targets, and he got four more receptions about those games, and he finished – um, last year as a serviceable like back end tight end one, so it was just more about like him getting the opportunities and him doing well with it. Um, okay, let me put it this way though, because this year is actually pretty deep. You have Travis Kelsey, George mm-hmm. Kittle, Zach Ertz, Evan Ingram, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, Austin Hooper, Greg Olson, Will Disley, Jimmy Graham, Delaney Walker, O.J. Howard. Mm-hmm. Where are you? Who are you starting him over? I'm not. I'm. I'm putting him like more in like the ten to twelve range, but like. Come on, like this is this is an upside play where not only do you have a safe floor now, of maybe it's not the safest floor, but like he's a guy who I would much rather own than some of these back end guys like Eifert and. Uh, um, okay, Eifert. I agree with that, but I would honestly, after watching the game last night, or well tonight, I'm just I'm assuming we're gonna at some point when you're listening, it's tomorrow. Mm. So watching the game Thursday night. Will Disley looked the better of the two tight ends out there. Did he? He was just – it, it feel like he demanded so much, and in big situations, they forced him the ball. Mm-hmm. So this Will is Disley a curious space. Like, I, th- I think we should actually touch on Disley versus Everett because um, two totally different situations, right? Everett's, Everett's main issue right now is he has Tyler Higby that he's splitting snaps with. Plus, he has those three wide receivers 
and he also has Todd Gurley if they're starting to utilize him in their receiving game. I mean, yeah. we've seen if that's more of a trend that we're seeing recently or it's more of just a fluke the last um, couple weeks. But Disley, ever since they traded Nick Vanette down to Pittsburgh, he's become the main guy, and he's getting the looks down there. He has a better quarterback attached to him, but is he actually the better player? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say Gerald Everett's the better player, but Disley's in a better situation. Oh, hot take. All right. No, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think it is a hot, I don't think that is a hot take to say Gerald Everett's the better player, but that doesn't – I mean, better player doesn't mean – Jack. Right? I, I mean, I mean, yeah. it, does, it does mean it. Like, I think long term, we're gonna see Gerald Everett be the better player. But I think right now, I've, I'm still probably rolling out Will Disley because okay. I think he's getting 80% snap shares. He's getting the red zone looks for uh, Russell Wilson. I trust Russell Wilson more than I do Jared Goff, and I think there's less target competition there. But regardless, I think if you own any guys like Delaney Walker or Jimmy Graham, or even if you own one of the elite tight ends, like. Like, just do yourself a favor. Get Gerald Everett on the team. Um, I think maybe, I would say Noah Fant is probably the only other tight end outside of Gerald Everett that I think has the upside to really elevate himself into a nice start of the week. Um, yes, but he's hurt at the moment. And I think Hawkinson's already owned in most leagues. I'm talking more like guys on the waivers. Okay. Um, right. On the waivers, I don't, think, I don't think Eifert offers that upside, even though I think he offers a nice floor. Doyle, obviously, doesn't do that. Um, Ebron without um, Luck's not going to do that. But like Vernon Davis, like like Trey Burton, like I don't think none of these guys like you don't okay. want like I don't think you want to roster these guys. You definitely want to roster a guy like Gerald Everett over him because cool. um, I agree. Yeah, so I like, like def- definitely like get that upside there. He's going to have his up and down weeks. He's not going to be consistent, but if he can start to get that role consistently, like I think he definitely offers like I wouldn't say league winning upside, but definitely upside that where he can be very not healthy. ruin your league. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Oh, All right. So. Uh, Todd Gurley falls in the end zone twice. Fifteen yard or fifteen carries, fifty-one yards. You like to see that? He looked good. It was just more of a passing game, trying to keep up. Seattle looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an emotional night for Seattle, honoring their late owner. So I kind of knew it was going to be something where Seattle came out, and you know, it was going to stray away from the run game a little bit. But on the flip side of the ball, the Seahawks did not stray away from the run, running forty-two total times. Chris Carson had a demanding twenty-seven carries. 118 yards. Uh, Chris Carson didn't fumble, and until he does, I think that's his backfield. Yeah, no, he it is. Um, as, hey, as much as I had to say it as a Rashad Penny fan, like their insistence, like they're. Uh, um, you were a Carson fan two years ago, though. So okay, so I like Carson when he first came out, but 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 the issue is okay. I'm I'm just thinking from a GM's perspective, right? You go yeah. ahead, and you're like, oh. I'm heading into the season. I have a guy in Chris Carson who only was there for three games. He, yes, he looked good in those three games. He never broke out in those three games. He just looked good, and he had a pretty severe injury. And then they go ahead, and they're like, well, one of our biggest needs is running back, right? And we go ahead. So we spent a first-round pick on a running back, right? And then throughout the offseason, we're like, well, this first-round running back we did, we got, he's pretty good, but... We also have this guy that we drafted in the seventh round and we saw three games out of, and he looked good, and he's coming off a major injury. You know what? We're going to stick with him. Like, To me, it's like I don't mind that you're sticking with Carson. And to me, it's like why why in the hell would you spend a first-round pick on a running back to literally have him be a backup running back? It's like, dude, like, like spend that pick elsewhere. Like, We already know running backs are the most replaceable position in all of football. So why... Why are you then spending a first round pick 
on that position and then not only do that but to not even play him and have him be in a backup role to a guy who you spent no capital on like like yeah like, to me it's like it's like it's like that logic and a lot a lot of a lot of my uh, shares this year I, I was very high on Rashad Penny because the logic didn't make sense it didn't make sense that you would invest a first round pick and him not play and him become a backup so it's like I still believe in talent or Rashad Penny but we're looking at a guy who's literally a handcuff at the moment who may have like some... he had some flex appeal he had eight total touches two yeah, of them were like... catches so he gets you let's see get you 22 you got four, seven, five, six point seven eight points. so he had like eight nine points tonight yeah which is i mean it's all right i mean like you dude if you have a shot penny or or for shot pennies on your waivers in any league do everything you can to get him. like yeah, he's yeah. he's a very talented running back in his own right and i think he's like all the metrics show that him and chris carson are the same but We'll Seahawks see, dude. We'll see. Seahawks' insistence on using Chris Carson makes not only Chris Carson a great play, but it makes Rashad Penny just benchable until anything happens. Like that. But I think I think Chris Carson he's also getting the work in the receiving game. We can't we can't deny that as well. So, okay, um, I agree. Uh, so let's move over to Russell Wilson, who is not benchable. Two hundred sixty-eight yards, four touchdowns. Kind of what you expected in the yards. Uh, 268 is kind of what you expected. He gets you eight rounds for 32 yards. It was kind of a Russell Wilson night, except for the four touchdowns. That's, you know, you expect two to three. That's also Russell Wilson night, right? What? <laughs> that's also Russell Wilson night, right? That's all Russell Wilson, except for the four touchdowns. That's kind of like, that's high, but yeah. you're, you're, you're happy with that. So it is what it is. Uh, Tyler Lockett, 451, a touchdown. Expected that. Will Disley, 4 for 81. You expect that. DK Metcalf, 2 for 44 and 1. You expect that. You know, it's kind of just mediocre. It's kind of what you expect for the receiving core. Uh, DK is honestly one funny stat I've seen. Mm-hmm. Have you seen his route tree? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I love literally it. all I love streaks. it, dude. I love it. So like, but he catches one for a forty-yard mm-hmm. touchdown, gets you the bomb, gets you the bonus for the forty-plus. Smart start. No, that, that, that that's honestly what you love to see out of teams is utilizing players in their in their their best what they're, at, what they're best at. Like so, we knew DK Metcalf coming out. Like we knew. Like, if you have this guy run deep routes and just to have him streak down, get like, that's, like, dude, he's going to be an animal and he's going to be a freak and he's going to be, like, so to mess with. Out muscle we, and stuff, we yeah. Knew, we knew DK was never a complete receiver, and that's okay. Like, that's fine. But, like, what he does amazing at, they're utilizing him in that role, and that just bodes well for his upside not only in the short term but long term. And if he can, you know, add a more complete part to his game, like, cool, then, then we'll start to see that. But... For the time being, like I love that they're not trying to make him something that he's not, and just utilizing him in that role because, you know, you know that's what you want to see. So it make it does does make me excited, and it does make me very intrigued about DK Metcalf and his upside. But yeah, it's, like, it's like an unpolished, you know, piece of furniture. Like it's an unpolished table. Yeah. Where yeah, it's like exactly. unfinished, so like one half of the table's like you know is is finished, Ooh. you know, polished Ooh, okay. stuff. So you're eating on that side. You're using what's polished. You're mm-hmm. you're you're demanding him to do something and you're putting him in a role that what you know he's good at and you're not forcing him to do something that he's not comfortable with that's going to put the team in detriment mm-hmm, for sure and it, one thing that's frustrating for me i mean we saw it last year right we we knew tyler lockett was good we knew he's a beast and we knew literally you throw him the ball he's going to catch the ball like that's literally what it is tyler lockett had the most efficient wide receiver season basically of all time last year he was that good he just wasn't getting the targets and we saw a couple games where he got double-digit targets, and we're like, maybe this is the breakthrough for Tyler Lockett. Because if he's getting those, you know, double-digit targets a week, we know that he's going to be efficient with it. And 
if you're giving Tyler Lockett double digit targets a week, he's going to be a wide receiver one, like hands down. Like he's just that good. He's going to like Russell Wilson's that good of a quarterback, and Tyler Lockett's that good of a receiver that you know it was just going to happen um, as a wide receiver one. But now we see him get four targets again. And, of course, he was efficient with it. He caught all four balls, 51 yards, and he had that insane touchdown. But it's like – That's Chris Carson. That was the run-heavy approach. Carson had 27 carries. Russell had eight. Uh, Penny had six, I believe it was. You had Disley have one. You had Lockett have one, I mean. Dude, this is just ridiculous. Why are you so adamant on running the ball when you have one of the best quarterbacks Memories. in the league? At the Home Depot, replacing because your they just beat the, the you know, second-place team last year. So, I mean, it worked for them. Gosh, use it. the defense. Use the run game. It works we for them. It. We know. hate it, but it's good for them. Uh, all right, so let's jump into you know a quicker conversation real quick. Just kind of go over some quick injuries that we care about and uh, kind of you know get, get the information out that you need. Saquon Barkley out this week. But – Wanted to talk about that real quick, real quick. Looks good. He's, has he you know, been officially ruled out? So he has not been officially ruled out. The team confirmed they're not going to push it. There's mm-hmm. zero reason or expectation for him to play this week. Mm-hmm. However, it's more just a testament to how physically gifted this man is. That oh my God. Something that could keep you out six to eight weeks. Like His timetable was yeah. like six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's been a week, and he's like back in practice and they say he yeah. looks good no and did you see the video of him like running he like looked like yeah and he said what well, he said uh they asked him where he went and he said wakanda and that's where he, that's where he got the medicine from and it's so, funnier i didn't now. even know i didn't even know i said that it was hilarious um yeah. so you guys have known i think i mentioned i've definitely mentioned his name on the podcast before but um uh david chow is a doctor who um was a doctor for the san diego chargers back in the day for 25 plus years um was a team doctor, behind the scenes, everything. He has recently been on Twitter, I want to say the past two to three years, and he has been beyond accurate. I, I'm not going to say 100%, but basically as close to 100% as you can get is um, he's able to diagnose injuries in real time as they happen through video. And he is much more accurate than you see reporters and you see coaches sometimes say like, "Oh, this player, we're unsure about this." Like he is, he is much more accurate than them. I always take his word over coach speak, and we've seen it multiple times. What he's saying about Saquon Barkley right now. By the way, you can follow him at Pro Football Doc on Twitter. Um, if you aren't following him, he is an absolute, absolute, absolute must follow. If you aren't following him, he will take your fantasy game to the next level in terms of really understanding what these players are and. Honestly, take his word for every single thing he says because, uh, like I said, almost 100% of the time, he is like spot on with everything. So what he's saying about Saquon Barkley is he's, he's seeing the videos, he's seeing the excitement from everyone, and um, he's saying it's just like extremely unlikely that not only does he play this week, but he doesn't play in week six as well because they are on a short week. So they're playing Thursday night the week after. He's saying it's very unlikely he's playing this week, but he's saying a week seven return getting 10 days to rest after that Thursday night game. He's saying week seven should be good to go for Saquon Barkley. So if you're Saquon Barkley, plan for two more weeks. If you're Wayne Gallman owner, you probably already lost your opportunity to sell high because everyone's already excited about it. But um, expect Saquon Barkley out probably an extra couple of weeks before uh, we really start to um, yeah. see him on the field. Um, yeah. Moving on to another big target. Uh, Tyreek Hill, back of practice, does not mean he's going to play this week. Doesn't even mean he's going to play next week, but he's back of practice. Um, that's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. 
if you have Denard Robinson, if you have Nicole Hardman, this is your chance. Use them while you can. We don't know what's going to happen when Tyreek comes yeah. back. So Tyreek, so what do you, what dude, or uh, Dr. Chow saying about Tyreek Hills? Um, so he's saying, um, yes, he looks good. And with his injury, it's not hard to run. It's not hard to catch. The issue with his injury is being able to take a hit with that. So he's saying, yes, it's all right that he's practicing limited bases, but he's still a couple weeks away. He's saying, he's saying at the earliest, he's saying, I do not believe Hill's going to be playing this week. Or he doesn't even believe he's going to be playing next week. And he says at the earliest he's going to be playing week seven, but he thinks a week eight is probably the most likely scenario, but he wouldn't be surprised with a week seven return. So we're still two weeks away from Tyree Kill. So if you do have Tyree Kill on your team and people are like, wow, Tyree Kill could maybe return this week or maybe he's returning next week, you can use that extra week or two knowing that he's very likely to be out those next two weeks as maybe trade leverage and get value for Tyree Kill almost as if he's back, but knowing you are more likely missing out on a couple weeks. So you can technically use that to your advantage. I think that's something that um, a lot of uh, a lot of just average fantasy goers won't understand about this injury is that it is going to be longer than what everyone else is seeing with the, the limited tag that they're putting on in the past couple of days. So keep that in mind. Uh, Tyree Kill owners, or if you're trying to acquire Tyree Kill, understand that his price or his value is a little lower than what you would normally expect from someone uh, coming back right off the Yeah. Back. All right, another interesting name. I got a kind of a cool thing that happened about this one. Michael Gallup returned to practice. Mm-hmm. Now, when he returned yesterday, he returned in limited, you know, individual work. This doesn't happen, like, ever in the NFL. But he said he felt good, and the coaches said, you look good. And they moved him into regular practice. They just straight up like, okay, well, screw it. And and they put him in full practice with the rest of his teammates. He was running drills. And his teammates came out and said he looked really good. And the coaching staff, and he said, I feel, I feel great. He's now moved up to questionable for this weekend, and we could see him play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that also falls right in line with what Dr. Chow is saying. He's saying the timeline of the injury was two to four weeks since it happened. What was it? It was week two that it happened, right? So... We're week five. That's right in between the two to week two to four week time frame. It would be the third week. So he's saying the expectation for him is he could definitely see game action, but um, he says it. Pro- it's probably going to be more of a limited game action. But then the week after, we could see a full participant. At the same time, we're not going to be shocked if he's a full. He's a full go this week. Um, like yeah, if he's, he's, he's good, you like, know, a quarter into if it, you have Gallup, he's, he's de- like we're like. It's probably it's much more likely than not he's playing this week, so um, that's definitely where we're trending with the Gallup. So I'm definitely starting Gallup um, in leagues that I have him. Like I feel I feel comfortable in that. He was balling out his first couple of weeks, so um, yeah, I'd definitely be very very surprised if he wasn't active and wasn't playing this week. So good good news on him. Yeah, uh, scrolling down, just kind of talking about injuries that are going on around in the league. Uh, Christian Kirk. Yeah, okay, so kind of this, one that's flown under the radar. Okay, so this this is one that actually Dr. Chow like was much more accurate than Coach Speak. Um, a lot of reports. So basically, basically, what when the injury happened, it looked a lot worse than it was. I don't know if you saw Cody, if you saw the injury yeah. itself. Yeah, it, his leg essentially got ro- like rolled under a player. It looked like it could have been something that could have honestly kept him out the entire year. Um, a lot of reporters. Um, local local media for the Cardinals were reporting that 
they thought it was going to be four to six week injury, but the high ankle sprain, Cliff Kingsbury was very mum about it, which when you have a coach that's very mum on an injury, it, it's usually not a good thing. So people were really honestly worried the fact that he was going to be on IR. But what Dr. Chow said, and again, why I'm advocating for him, when he saw it, he said it's a mild high ankle sprain. It's something that he's definitely going to miss the week after, or definitely miss next week, but it's something that he could potentially return from and only miss one game, or at worst, maybe miss like one to two weeks. So um, that's what he said from the beginning, like right when it happened, and it took three to four days for the actual report to come out, that that's what the timeline is. So again, if you have Kirk, sucks, you're going to miss him this week, but he definitely has a chance to return the week after, and worst case scenario, he's definitely he's going to miss like probably two weeks, and then he'll be back uh, the third week. So obviously yeah. you want to get him back good, but it's not, it's not a severe issue again. Um, mild high ankle sprain, so um, nothing too crazy. Yeah, so it's interesting, and I kind of was thinking about it earlier, is the Cardinals run a very locked-in positional-type plays. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have your receiving group, and you know, if a receiver goes down, you'd assume it's just, okay, the next person on the depth chart's up. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals, the way the Cardinals do it is they have an X, Y, and a Z, let's say. So they have three receivers. When one of the receiver gets hurt, not it's not the next best player comes in and plays. It's the next person in that position comes in and plays, mm-hmm. which means we might get a chance to see Andy Isabella. Yes. Okay. So yeah, let's, let's talk about Andy Isabella real quick. So um, not only is Kirk out this week, but Demir Bird, who in week yes. uh, in week three saw the most amount of snaps. So we're talking about two of the top three receivers in terms of snaps are going to be missing this game. So Trent Sherfield last week we saw him take the massive jump. So I'm just going to assume that Trent Sherfield is now going to so, be... So he will stay in in Bird's position. Yes, so he's going to be staying in Bird's position. So we're going to see Fitz as the wide receiver one. One thing about the Cardinals, they run four wide receiver sets more than any other team in the league by far. So, I mean, you're essentially... If you're the fourth receiver, you're not technically a starter, but you're you're seeing, I would say, more than half the snaps, right? So um, uh, Trent Sherfield, Keyshawn Johnson, Fitz, are those at three... And Isabella is going to be at the four. So what they said with Isabella, right? They, it's kind of curious that they're utilizing the outside because they have they have Kirk and Fitz both at the inside, right? And they have Sherfield and they have Bird and they have Keyshawn. Those guys are on the outside, and some some. I mean, the players obviously uh, mix in and out, but that, that's the majority where they're at. And uh, you see, um, they signed Sarah, Farrell Cooper, who they said is going to be in the inside. So it's like, and Hakeem Butler. Well, Butler's on the IR, so at the moment he's not. Oh no! I'm just, I'm just. Yeah, but like, yeah. Out all the receivers that they've got. Yeah. Twenty different receivers. It feels like. Exactly. So it's like, uh, so it's like Isabella's now on the outside where, he, uh, I don't know if that's the best role for him, but to see him on the field, um, obviously be good. Um, it seems like he almost hasn't like even earned his job. It's just more he's kind of like fell into the opportunity, you know, to get passed over by sixth round rookie wide receiver at the same position as you it's not exactly the greatest testament to you as a to start off your career but at the same time we like Isabella we think he's talented and he obviously fits that offense very good so um if he gets playing time I'm definitely intrigued by him me too all right so uh let's talk about some couple other injuries we've got going down the list uh John Ross who we need to touch on real quick John Ross placed on the IR with the same injury that actually Tyree killed which is <laughs> yeah interesting. exactly so which is rare. It's an extremely – it's something spinal. Mm-hmm. It's an extremely rare injury, actually. But the way his shoulder was contorted when he was pulled down, 
it just did not look good. Somebody who's never been healthy in in yeah. a breakout year, and also in when at the end of this year, his fifth year option has to be picked up after the rookie year. Yeah. So something Cincinnati super like they really got to think about is do we want to you know the, the talents there they're all talents there but the coaching staff you know can we afford to pay him this fifth year do we continue going on in that for somebody who's not been on the field he showed a ton of potential the first couple weeks this week IR probably won't return but you know they've always placed that designated return on him but I doubt we see it so I believe he's droppable right now even if he was going to return oh, yeah. that puts him at a week thirteen timetable to come back mm-hmm. playoffs it's not worth running him in there. Okay, so basically um, what what the plan is here with the Bengals is, yes, it's basically the same injury as Tyreek Hill, which is why the whole Tyreek Hill situation is still a couple weeks away because for them to put John Ross on IR, that means he, he's minimum out eight weeks. So Tyreek Hill, he had a designation of like six to eight weeks, right? We should be looking closer to like the six to – or like closer to like the eight-week mark because – you know, you see that they put them on IR. Like, it's literally the same injury, regardless. Um, but, no, the intention for the Bengals is to have him come back off that. So, I don't think he's done for the year. Um, you're definitely dropping him if you do have him. You're not, you're not wasting yeah, him. And any redraft, even if he comes back, there's no point of carrying yeah. him. So, um, so yeah. So, intention is to have him back. But that does that does open up some room for Auden Tate. But uh, most importantly, like, Tyler Boyd just going to freaking – eat man like so yeah. um Tyler, and Green will be back Adrian Green will be back but it's like he's still probably a couple weeks away it's like we don't know what's going on with him there's a lot of that one's been really quiet that's been a really quiet it's almost like the cam situation it just feels like yeah it's very shocking like, yeah like he got hurt like a month and a half before the season started so it seemed like there was time for him to come back but like it's been a lingering issue it doesn't seem close like like well, it seems close, and it, then all of a sudden Doug it's like, Baldwin okay, last year. that's what it's like. It's like, like Doug Baldwin last, last year, right? It's like, dude, like, yeah, things happen, um, which is ridiculous. Um, so we'll see more on that. I don't really have any updates on AJ Green because, yeah. like we said, we don't really know what's going on there. Yeah. All right, so let's jump over to the Texans who have Kenny Stills limited in participation in practice, which means we could see some Kiki QT. Kiki QT, yeah, Kiki QT, sound nice snap, share. Uh, I think most importantly, this is just, dude, we're just, what, like, dude, it's ha- it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. Not only DeAndre Hopkins, but Will Fuller. Both of them are just, like, dude, we're just waiting for them to blow up. Like, it's yeah. going to happen. It's, like, it's going to happen. Like, I'm I'm confident in both those players the rest of the season. I don't care. Obviously, obviously DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I don't, I don't. You're you're not listening to this and losing confidence in DeAndre Hopkins. You know DeAndre Hopkins is good, and it's gonna come. Like, like I don't think I need to explain that to you, but but Will Fuller, I think maybe some reassurance that Will Fuller is an extremely talented player. He's seeing the targets, he's seeing the air yards, basically all the things that you want to see from Will Fuller. It's happening, but the plays itself aren't happening. So all that stuff, it's gonna come back. It's gonna come back in Will Fuller's favor. Um, he missed you. Deshaun Watson barely missed him on a 75-yard touchdown. If he has that touchdown, we're looking at Will Fuller much differently. So, please be patient, with Will Fuller. He now is going. I, I, I'm starting Will Fuller in any league. I own Will Fuller in, which is a high majority of my leagues. I'm starting him in. I feel that confident that the week's gonna come. Um, feel good about Will Fuller. Feel good about DeAndre Hopkins. Feel good. If about there's him. a panicking three and, or one and three, oh and four, uh, DeAndre Hopkins owner out there, go get him. Yeah, yeah. Both those guys just do do whatever you can to get them. Like, 
and I'm sure you can get them at a discount right now just based off of uh, their recent production. production. So. Yeah. So not getting too deep into it, uh, Drew Brees out again. Yeah. I uh, just thought we should let everybody know that in case some people don't pay as much attention as we do. Yep. Um, Stefan Diggs, full participation, just something to keep your eye on. It's not like I – honestly, at this point, I don't know if I'm starting Stefan Diggs or Thielen. I, if, I have, if I have a different option, I'm examining. Mm. I'm uh, I'm definitely not a. Uh, definitely not going that right yet. I've got no issue if you've got somebody like a Tyrell Williams, saying okay, I'll, I'm gonna start Tyrell over Diggs this week until I see it. No, I refuse to do that. Diggs I'm had a good saying. game last week. He had seven catches for 100 yards. I'm just and saying. Him, him going out in the public, like, basically saying once. Well, Taylor went out in the public and was basically like they F both said it, dude. Like, dude. Look, when you have both of your receivers on the same page, and look, it, let's just let's just be honest, it's idiotic for them to not feature them. Like, let's just yeah. let's just be honest, it's idiotic for them to not feature. They're probably the best wide receiver duo. You can maybe make an argument for some other, but like, you dude, like uh, Julio and they're both they're both wide receiver ones. Like, let's just be honest, they're both wide receiver ones, and they, they can <laughs> be wide receiver ones. They are not wide receiver. ones. They are wide receiver ones that aren't being utilized as wide receiver ones. <laughs> Like, let's just be real. Like, that, that, Kirk Cousins is, is terrible. The Vikings got scammed. That's that. <laughs> All right, so let's jump down real quick. Uh, Taylor Gabriel out again for the Bears, as is Mitch Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Do you have any faith in a Chicago offense this week? Dude, is Chase Daniels that much worse than Trubisky? Or is he even worse than Trubisky? Like, honestly. Is he better than Trubisky? Is he worse than Trubisky? Like, let's no. be honest. Is there, no. is there a doubt? He's are not you... worse. Okay. So, that's the question. I don't. How how do we how do we roll out Trubisky each week? That's how we should feel about Chase Daniels this week. So, oh, okay, okay. I, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm not worried about it. like dude. It's just, it's a, it's same thing. And I'm honestly, I wouldn't say I'm more apt to use Daniel because one thing I do like Trubisky is he utilizes his legs. But I think as a passer, maybe Daniel yeah. does offer maybe maybe not much more, but maybe just a little more. Like okay. so, yeah. I like it. I like it. All right, so let's jump over to the Jets Eagles game. Uh, Sam Darnold is not they have not confirmed nor denied whether or not he will play this week it's one of those where it's not like okay he's like he's ready to go his shoulders good it's like is he going to kill himself by playing on the field with mono that's <laughs> literally which, which only funny because his quote was i don't want to die yeah um so i think and, and this is just so we're kind of trying to throw everything into one podcast for your starts sits waivers injuries recap from you know thursday night's game so we're kind of throwing it all out you but if you take anything from this this is what i want you to take at least from my perspective if there is ever a game for robbie anderson to solidify himself a spot on your fantasy football team it is this week in a week where ronald darby is not going to play maddox is not going to play sydney jones is not going to play a depleted i mean absolutely depleted Philadelphia Eagles secondary. It is this week for Robbie. And if Sam plays, there is zero excuse if Robbie Anderson does not have 20 points. Now, the Eagles have allowed the most fantasy points to anybody this season. We are about to see history. I'm, I'm just saying, if there's ever a week for Robbie Anderson to have a good week, and that's very rare this season because of their schedule, it's this week. Cody, I have a bull prediction. Okay. We are going to see the first 100-yard 
passing game from Luke Falk in his career. Why? Why? Whoa. I want Darnold to play, buddy. Hey, I don't think that's happening, man. Okay, so basically what, um, just, just to give a different perspective on injury situation from Sam Darnold, um, at least what uh, Dr. Chow's saying is he wants to play and he declared himself ready, right? But the Jets, the Jets need to make sure he's good, right? So... Well, it's contagious as hell. Yeah, but, but like, but basically, basically is um, is like, what his issue right now is he has an enlarged spleen, and on Monday is he still had an enlarged spleen, and basically what has to happen through the process is, um, between um the team, Donald himself and the medical staff all have to say yes, and uh-huh. all have to like be okay with him playing in order for him to play. So if any one of those three say no then he's not able to play. Obviously, Darnold says yes, but you still need the team and you need the medical staff to do it. So, so the medical staff's the biggest thing is because at the end of the day, the medical staff mm-hmm. is responsible for the other 44 yeah. players on the field. Yeah. Should anything go wrong, they're held accountable if another player ends up with mono. Yeah. So I, I think it's a stretch he plays this week. I yeah. really do. That, that's what he said, too. He said he said because Monday's exam showed that he still had the alarm spleen, the exam that he has to take... As you're listening to today, he's, to take, he's taking the test today. Um, it's very unlikely that it's going to be good enough for him to play. So we're probably looking at more of like a, I would say like under 20% chance that Arnold plays. But but it's definitely trending towards, I would say probably maybe like a 50 to 60, maybe even a little higher week six. And then definitely by week seven, I would say it's definitely trending that way to where yeah, it's probably but, not going to be as long as we thought originally. So it's not terrible. But I do think that whoever's playing quarterback is going to produce numbers with these receivers Crowder back. Uh, you've got Robbie Anderson going to go ham. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's a good week. And uh, last week without your boy, Chris Herndon, if you don't have him, Adam, all wears, mm-hmm. we posted on Instagram about it. If you don't have him, Adam now, cause next week he's going to go like hotcakes. Yeah. So, yeah. So just, just to touch on not only Chris Herndon, but I think that this is uh, a time to not just to buy the jets offense. Um, Again, I think I don't. I'm not sure Le'Veon Bell's workload or really anything about him is gonna jump. But I think guys like Crowder, I think guys like Robbie Anderson, I think guys like Kernan, those three guys are all guys you want to target. Um, I think Crowder may be a little harder to acquire, mainly because I feel like the owners saw what Sam Darnold did with Crowder in Week One. But in the guy, preseason. Yeah, but a guy like Robbie Anderson didn't have a good Week One with the Darnold, so. People may be souring on Anderson. I'm still high on Anderson, and I still believe that he's going to be. I'm gonna. I think he's going to be better than Crowder this year. From I agree. Yeah. So like when Darnold gets back onwards our season, I would rather have Anderson over Crowder, and I feel like a lot of people maybe don't necessarily view it that way, or maybe just are. A little I mean, I'd rather. I mean, I'm still starting Crowder. That's just a testament to how much I like Robbie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'm. I'm starting. I'm even starting Robbie this week, even without Darnold. But like. Oh, dude, Robbie's gonna eat. Oh my god. I mean that. Oh my god, yeah. that eagle secondary is so yeah. bad. Seriously, but also that, but like Herndon as well. Like Herndon, like like Cody, we talked about this like just through yeah. text the other day. Like like Herndon is gonna eat, and Herndon should immediately the moment he gets back, and the, like assuming Darnold and him are coming back the same week, right? Like immediately should be a top ten tight end rest of the season. Like agreed. And like like you said, if he's on waivers, this is something that you should have been doing a week or two ago. And if he's still somehow on waivers, get him on your team right now. I don't care your tight end situation. It's it's a lot harder to find a tight end than you think. 
get a tight end. If he does ball, I mean, so we saw with Mark Andrews, right? We saw, we saw Mark Andrews. Um, Darren Waller. Um, no, no, but the, re- the, re- the reason I do mention Mark Andrews is because he was a rookie last year, and we saw Mark oh, Andrews yeah, yeah. have one of the most efficient rookie seasons from a tight end ever um, on a yards-per-target basis, right? And we've seen him break out all over the place, right? Chris Herndon was fifth in the past 20 years on yards-per-target from rookies, which is up there with guys like Gronk and Gates and all these guys. So what we're seeing out of Andrews, like, if Darnold is, can make the leap that, as a passer of close, it doesn't have to do to the extent of Lamar Jackson, but if he becomes like an above average starter, like no, Herndon's gonna eat and Herndon's gonna break out. Like so, yeah, um, I'm very excited about Herndon. Very excited about Darnold potentially coming back. And I think if you're in a dynasty league, like I think Darnold's also a very good buy low because he didn't have a good week one. He didn't have a good week one. And I still believe in the talent. I still believe that um, he does have some underrated playmakers around him, in which, uh, in which uh, may be a viable fantasy source the rest of the season. I agree. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Deshaun Jackson did not practice. Mm-mm. Probably won't play. Uh, I'm not too interested in anything outside of Alshon Jeffrey or Zach Ertz in that team anyway. Mm-mm. All right, so let's keep it going. Mark Andrews who's did limited practice again, but he's been limited the last two weeks with the foot injury, playing through it. Not worried about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Conner, who did not practice, is one of the more important ones we can talk about today is simply because if he doesn't play, Jalen Samuels catapults his way into, like, RB2 territory? RB, low-end RB1. Okay, all right. I'm on the go. Uh, I just it, can't go too deep into that one simply because we don't know. I think that's more of a wait-and-see if – it's it, you need to speculatively add Jalen Samuels. He should be on yeah, in every league should, anyway. Should, I should, yeah, I should be added. Yeah, um, but regardless. I think you need to watch. And then you know, should James Conner play? It's James Conner. Should James Conner not play? It's all so, all in. I think I think some people maybe this is a hot take, but I I truly believe it. Um, um, both in in a same situation, James Conner as a workhorse. If he misses, if Jalen Samuels doesn't work for us, I believe Jalen Samuels is more valuable in that role than James Conner is because of his receiving usage. I think he's going to be much more valuable as a receiver. We saw him get eight receptions last week as with James Conner in the lineup. Obviously, a lot of them were like little, like freaking three inch. Yeah, so those passes. those were weird because ESPN actually counts as his throws. So actually, even even Jalen Samuels ended up with like four or five completed passes. Yeah, like a little little. Uh, they ran the wildcat. I thought it was like I think they said like forty percent of the time they ran like wildcat yeah. offense. That's wild. it was stupid. Yeah. Regardless, Jalen Samuels came in the league. So when he when he was uh uh doing the combine drills and everything, he was actually a tight end. Like he actually worked out with a tight end. So. He's a very good receiver in his own right, so I think he definitely offers more upside, and that's kind of the running backs you want to chase are the guys who have that floor in the receiving game but can also add things um, as a running back. And last year we saw him rush over 100 yards with the Patriots, so Jalen Samuels is that perfect kind of back to where if James Conner does miss this week, like not only is he locked low to start it, but I think you can almost expect like top 12 production out of him. Like I, I, I genuinely view him as a, an RB1 um, but by the name of the title um, if he's in um, – Next week, like yeah, I, I actually like him more than Connor in that role. Okay. All right. Um, so we'll move on from that. Just one, one more quick note. Uh, uh, John got a Veterans Day off, so mm-hmm. nothing to worry about. Yeah, 
Nothing too crazy. You know who John is? John Doe. Juju. John Doe. Is that his middle name? No, it's a no. So John, what's what's his uh? I just know his name's John. Yeah, his name's John, but I I don't even know his. But but they just call him Juju. It's like another it's another J name, John. Uh, I just I thought it was funny because the injury report lists him as John, but if you click on it, it says Juju. It's funny. It's so funny. Yeah, John. Yeah, he's a. Yeah, Juju will be fine. I am, I'm expecting a much bigger game for Juju. They, If you watch the game, they were keying on Juju. They would not let Juju yeah. beat them. Um, it was three on one. That's actually why that's that That's why Deontay Johnson had a touchdown was they were so focused on Juju that Deontay Johnson was wide open. So yeah, there was Juju's three guys better on games. Him. Maybe his ceiling is definitely going to be limited, not having Big Ben there. But um, if, if they keep running, if Mason Rudolph can't throw the ball downfield, that's definitely going to affect Juju. Um, but he's still like he's still locked in wide receiver two right now, and um, I think even like a high end wide he's definitely a high end wide receiver two for me, and I'm not shocked to be just like if Mason Rudolph can get his stuff together and like start utilizing him in a proper way and start moving the ball downfield like like he can, then Juju can definitely push himself back up into the top ten wide receiver. I agree. Okay, jumping down to the Bills Titans. We're wrapping this up real quick for mm-hmm. you. Frank Gore did not practice. Don't worry, it's just a veteran's day off because Devin Singletary is still limited in practice. Mm-hmm. We're gonna see a little bit of Devin Singletary this week, I believe. Yeah, uh I I'm so. not starting him. I'm not starting uh, him either. I'm also not start uh, I mean like yeah, uh, I'm also not starting Gore either. If if, yeah. if Singletary plays, I don't want either of them. If you're in a pinch, cool, I don't mind starting either, but Please, like, if you have uh, other options, like, it's not the greatest offense to be in. Tennessee has a good defense, so, like... Under, underrated as hell. Very underrated defense. A very, very good defense. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely not going out of a way to start them, but if you're in a pinch, cool. You could do worse than Singletary or Gore. Yeah. Uh, Michael Burkhead, limited to practice today. For those Michael. who don't know, that is, that is Rex Burkhead. Ooh, is that, like, a sexy Rexy? His real name is Michael. Is it really? uh, limited. Yeah, his real name is Michael. Uh, Julian Adam and Josh Gordon both limited. Nothing to worry about there. Yeah, Moving over. The names today. What's up? You got all the real names today. Just, I do. I do. I'm hitting the injury. The injury report's real official. It's not. Uh, uh, we're not hitting with Juju and Rex. We're hitting with Michael and John. I love it. Uh, moving over to the other side of the ball. Kind of the only injury you give a dang about is Case Keenum and Terry McLaurin. <laughs> now I just want to touch on something. Outside of fantasy, Dalton, right? Forget about fantasy for two yeah. minutes. They are absolutely destroying Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. They are doing him so dirty by making him play. Mm-hmm. And in a game where he is not ready, the He's coaching staff ready. knows He's it. Not ready to play. Everybody knows it. And if they put him in a game against the defending Super Bowl champions and let him get his butt kicked, they are hurting him and not helping him in the future. This is stupid. Cole McCoy should play at Case Keenum camp. They should let them get their butts kicked. And Dwayne Haskins should continue to develop and stay away 100%. until he is ready. One hundred percent. And I want I want to talk about this for a second because, like, obviously we're not talking about fantasy right now. We're talking about real life coaching decisions, GM to coach relationships. Look, heading into the season, there's no doubt about it that Jay Gruden was on the hot seat and he needed to win. So you know what they do? They draft a rookie quarterback. And you know we see it so many times when these coaches are in the hot seat and they draft these quarterbacks, they want to win. So they see Case Keenan and he's not doing well and they want to throw this guy in. Dwayne Haskins is not ready. Urban Meyer literally said, he went on the Rich Eisen show, and Rich Eisen said, 
do you think he's a franchise quarterback? And he goes, I do. And he goes, do you think he's ready to start week one? And he goes, no, I don't think he's ready to start year one. Like to sit, to have a college coach, usually you have these college coaches that are so like over abundantly like confident in their guys. And they're like, yes, this guy's ready to go. This guy's this and that. To have a coach go say, I don't think he's ready to start year one. Like that, that spoke volumes to me to be like, all right. Like what is about him that's not ready to start year one? Like 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 it just started like get these questions rolling in my head, right? And we saw it. He's not ready to start year one, and he, he doesn't have the proper weapons around him to be able to succeed uh, year one. And we don't know his coaching situation. And I hope to God that Jay Gruden isn't trying to play him to save his job right now because Jay Gruden, believe it or not, is going to be out of town by the end of the year if things are rolling this way. And I hope it doesn't. He doesn't take Dwayne Haskins down with him. It's just it's just unfortunate to see this scenario. So hopefully yeah, they make the right decision, like you said. Avoid all that fantasy. The only player you care about is Terry McLaurin in, in Washington. That's it. Yeah, that's really it. And he's hurt, so we don't even know if he does play this week. So last week he was game-time decision. Literally, I'm a victim of this in a couple leagues last week. Screwed you minutes before the game ruled out. Honestly, wasn't even an update from, like, anything. No, no platform threw out an update. It was a late, late scratch. Uh, so that means I, I expect him to go this week. I do. We limited this week. Uh-huh. Uh, game time last week. I believe he'll be out there. Um, he'll be shadowed this week though by Gilmore. Nothing to do with it. I'm, I'm avoiding that situation. Hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so let's jump over to the Broncos Chargers. Emmanuel Sanders full participation. You'd like to see that. Uh, so him and Cortland Sutton will go at it. I think. That, that'll be a fun thing to watch. Uh, Chargers side of the ball. Hunter Henry started coming to practice, not mm. practicing in full, not, not even doing like a bunch of individual stuff. But he's back. It's nice to see that. So it's something just to watch. And if you have him, you're, you're, you're cracked a little smile seeing that mm-hmm. you know, blurb come up. Uh, Justin Jackson's still out. Melvin Gordon is back. Coach said he will get some work this week. I 100% my heart believe you could start Austin Eckler and you could start Melvin Gordon this week. Yeah, you're definitely starting both, and you have to feel confident about. I'm more confident about Eckler than Emma Gordon because I think that Gordon may be limited. Like we didn't see Gordon play last week, so um, similar to what we saw with Zeke, one where Tony Pollard was utilized almost in a fifty-fifty split. Um, like now, like Eckler's too good for him to regard. Even at Melvin at his peak form, let's say three, four weeks down the road, even Melvin at his peak form, Austin Eckler is going to be. A locked and loaded RB two. Like he's he was just, top he's, thirty last year when good. when Melvin was top five. He's 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 he's, he's too good to, to leave him off the field. Like let's just be real. Austin yeah. Eckler's too good to leave him off the field. So in his first game back, I like Eckler more than I do Gordon this week. I agree, but I'm starting both. Um, okay. But to t- touch on Henry, um, in terms of his injury update, don't expect him to play this week. But to get get him back, like in the swing of things, next week. I think we're definitely getting closer, but I feel like probably a, a, a realistic return date is probably week seven. Um, I, I see. I think it's later, but again, we, we we've got to wait for reports to come out that kind of solidify I mean, what he's doing in practice. Yeah, yeah true. So. All right, so let's talk about it. Michael Williams limited participation practice. I'm not starting Mike Williams. <coughs> I think I'm getting sick. Getting sick talking about right. Mike Williams. All right, so let's jump to the next game. Packers, Cowboys, Devontae Adams, toe injury. I'm sure you've got something to say about this yeah, one. Yeah, I do. But he... So I'll get, you, I'll get you some updates here on Adams. Um, I think it's more serious than people are leading on, um, at least at least his injury. Like, it seemed like people were like, oh, he may miss a week. He may 
But uh, what Dr. Chow is saying, it's going to be at least a multiple week injury, um, at least two weeks. It is, it's one of those injuries where it doesn't seem serious, little toe injury, whatnot. But you, as a wide receiver, you're cutting, you're planting, you're putting so much pressure on your toe. So to have a toe injury where it's like a turf toe, it's it's more serious than people realize. Oh, I'm going to pull up the update here real quick. Um, in terms of Devontae Adams, um, as we're looking at it. Uh, so it's not, it doesn't seem to be a severe case, but regardless, he's going to be out two to three weeks. So if you have Adams, maybe this is something that the media isn't necessarily giving that time frame. It seems more like a one week, and then he's back next week. But no, he's probably out at least the week after, and then potentially yeah. the week after that. So and they're gonna have to take caution with their star. Yeah. So if you if you're in a position where maybe you're one and three, you're 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 looking down, and you're like, dang, like I really need to start winning these next couple of weeks. And you do have Adams. Like, I'm totally fine trading him because I feel like you can definitely get you can definitely get like almost equivalent value of what Adams you drafted him as because he's coming off the big game and people only think this is a minor injury. So, um, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jamal Williams, we've seen the nasty, nasty injury last week. Dexter not going to play Williams. this week. Can we talk about him real quick? Uh, you can, yeah. You can go into it real quick. Okay, so Dexter Williams, right? So, Oh, um, Dexter Williams. Yeah, so Dexter Williams. Um, uh, intriguing guy. Rookie, obviously. Um, hasn't really done much to really even push for the backup job, but regardless... I think this is interesting, mainly from the standpoint that um, Matt Lafleur likes using committees. We saw it last year with Tennessee. Even as good as Hunter Henry or um, Derrick Henry was, um, he refused to put him in a workhorse role until the end of the year. As good as Aaron Jones is, he refuses to put Aaron Jones in a workhorse role. So, I think Dexter Williams is interesting in that regard, where he has some talent. He's a rookie. He's athletic. Um, okay, interesting. So maybe he just sneaks his way into that Jamal Williams role or hopefully that doesn't happen and Aaron Jones is the true finally workhorse. realizes his talent but um, yeah I'm definitely intrigued by Dexter Williams but if I'm, if I'm in deeper leagues I'm picking him up for sure so okay uh, cool Cowboys side of the ball we talked about Michael Gallup already so let's jump over to the nighttime Chiefs game uh, just a quick update Damian Williams is going to play this weekend yeah. I believe you are not dropping Daryl Williams. Mm-mm, not dropping Darryl him, but Williams, not, you are not I'm not dropping. starting him. Uh, Tyree Kill, we already discussed. So, Dalton, if you wanted to quickly, that's the end of the Chiefs kind of side. So, Dalton, if you want to quickly get into Marlon Mack, you can do that. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll get into Marlon Mack and T.Y. Hilton since I think they're kind of like um, together. So, uh, the, there was definitely more concern on T.Y. Hilton's side than there was Marlon Mack's side, but... Um, seems like maybe T.Y. is trying to play, but ex- essentially, like, what Dr. Chow's saying is he's not even expecting T.Y. Hilton to play Week 5 because they have the Week 6 bye, and um, it's it's an injury where he can play, but he's it's, it's going to be something that if he tries to play through it, it's definitely something that has a much likelier um, outcome of him re-injuring it, or, like, he can't even be fully 100% on it, so it would make so much more sense for him to... Just not play this week, have that bye, get that extra week, and then be good the rest of the season. But um, I don't know. I guess we'll see. And uh, we've definitely seen T.Y. Hilton play through some questionable tags throughout his career. So um, that was two days ago. We saw him play today, or practice today. So maybe maybe that uh, update isn't exactly um, the most updated. So, But in terms of Marlon Mack, I think that's something that we're definitely looking at a game-time decision there. Um 
Uh, I definitely want Naheem Hines. I think I think this is a Naheem Hines game. I think if you he's a guy that you can definitely snag up on waivers and just start him. I wouldn't say comfortably, but um, if you're in a pinch, like definitely Naheem Hines. You're, you're going against Kansas City, and Naheem Hines is is masterful at getting six seven receptions for like six to seven yards a catch. Nothing, but that that's a solid day if you're getting seven receptions for like 30, 40 yards. Like, it's flexible. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it, Kansas City, they're going to be scoring a lot of points. There's going to be a lot of Colts are likely going to be down. They're going to be dumping it off. Like, yeah, no, definitely going to be Mines. If there's if there's one week to start in Mines, the entire year it's going to be this week. So, uh, I feel totally comfortable starting them this week. Cool. All right, so let's jump over to the Monday night game. We've made it this far. We're ready for Monday night. Quickly get into the good side of it, the Browns, the easier side of it. Jarvis Landry concussion uh, has until Saturday to take that concussion test and pass it and play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an extra day, but I think that in the past few years, we've kind of strayed away from how serious concussions were. Mm-hmm. We just kind of assumed that, oh, he has a concussion, he'll miss a week, and then he's fine. Mm-hmm. I think people need to, or, like, or, or it was even like last year, most people were like, oh, he has a concussion, like he's out for the game, and he'll be back next week. Like We need to start respecting a concussion for what a concussion is. It's an injury to the brain. And we need to start allowing these players to kind of take time to heal that because that's something very, very serious. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jarvis does not come back and play this week. Yeah, and and all, and all concussions are not created equal. So we see a lot yeah. of times where you said, like, yeah, guys, guys, week one week, they're cool. They pass concussion protocol, and then they're good to go. Um, some I, guys retire because of it. Yeah, honestly. Uh, yeah, so it's crazy. So some are more serious than others, depending on how many they've had in the past. Jarvis has never had really much of a track record um, of concussions, so and playing on Monday night definitely gives him that extra day to potentially do it. But but it also means if he doesn't play, you're out of options. Exactly, exactly. So um, proceed. I, you, I would start somebody off. We're like, as you're listening to this, we can't let you know what's going to happen. Obviously, there's going to be updates in the next couple of days. But if you're rolling into Saturday night or Sunday and you don't have clear confirmation on what's going to happen just take the safe approach don't don't play jarvis um unless, it's not like he's been great all year anyway yeah unless you unless you have another option um yeah in that monday night game maybe i don't even know who you would have debo samuel yeah no i, I wouldn't want to go that route honestly um that's the, that's the most realistic route is what you have yeah or like a matt breeder or something <laughs> along those lines but yeah but like on the right. other side of the ball, we have Tevin Coleman who exactly that you you withered your way into that last one. <laughs> last injury of the week, we got to talk about real quick. Tevin, baby, he's playing. Bang bang. You think so? I do. Okay, so what Dog the Child's saying is, um, he's moving well. He seems to come along, but he says the expectation is a week six return. He says it's definitely possibly plays this week, but he wouldn't be too effective with it because of the nature of the injury. So it may be best to take an extra week of rest. Um, they do have a lot of running backs there, so it's not like they're really hurting there. Um, no, but I think it hurts most hurt the most. Oh, definitely. The most the most hurt is getting getting hurt. I think Brita's fine. I think Brita does not affect at all, actually. I think Tevin Coleman steps back up. Maybe a slight downtick for Brita because I think Tevin Coleman is going to be used more than Moster was. But I think more than anything, it makes Moster honestly, I don't want to say droppable, but... No, it he's definitely kind of, he's definitely it, it, it makes him irrelevant. 100%. No, you're totally spot on because Mostert took over the exact Tevin Coleman role when he left. So yeah. it's like it's literally a one-for-one replacement. So Coleman's obviously the better player. Um, and Breida's, Breida's definitely going to get a touch squeeze. Like, that's just how it is. But um, 
I'm really curious to see if Jeff Wilson is like what what happens with him because he wasn't even active. Um, I don't even. I think he may have been on the practice squad. I don't. I, don't, I mean, don't quote me on that. He was either inactive or on, on the practice squad. Um, and then when Tevin Coleman went down, that's when he really started to see touches. So um, I'm really curious to see how it plays out. Regardless of Tevin Coleman's playing, I'm playing him. Um, Matt Breida, he's just like he's a flex guy. He's a guy that's gonna get the touches in between twenties. Um, if Wilson's not there, maybe Breida's the guy that gets the goal line work. Maybe it's Coleman. Who knows? Maybe Wilson. They keep Wilson. He's the guy. Who, who the heck knows? That like, I think this is more of a, a wait and see approach. But regardless, um, I like I like those guys as flex options. And Coleman, I'm definitely starting if he's playing. I agree. If you made it to this end of this podcast, phenomenal. It was hour and a half, I think. You hour, got injuries. Eight minutes and seven Ooh, seconds. You got before. injuries. You got waivers. You got start sits. You got recaps. Wow, wow, wow. You, we, we talked before the podcast. We were going to break it down. We are going to do an injury one. We are going to do this. We are going to do – boy, we squeezed it all into a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, hold up. I want, I, want to, I want to touch on something real quick. Um, okay. I made made a bull prediction last week, right? Okay. And I just I just want to update everyone. This is probably a terrible idea for me to do because I'm definitely going to jinx it. But I said Tyler Lockett, Chris Godwin. Um, who else did I say? Chris Godwin, Tyler Boyd, and I said someone else is going to be a top 10 receiver. But Chris Godwin, Mass. Oh, I said Cooper Cup. I said Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, and Tyler Boyd are all going to finish as top 10 receivers. As we're looking at it now, heading into week five, Cooper Cup number one, Chris Godwin number three, Tyler Lockett number four. I'm hanging um, out. And we have Tyler Boyd at 27, but he's only. Fifteen points away from top ten, and John Ross went out, so he's just gonna eat. So yeah, okay, you're wasting my time now. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had a two. <laughs> I was wrong about that one. You are correct. I, I think it'll I'm be not correct, Cody. I'm far from correct. I just I we'll really see how just, it plays out. I just Cooper really, Cup's definitely there, and Cup's a beast, and Goblin's a beast. So, um, all right, why? Well, good luck Sunday. Look Sunday, Cody. I'm playing you in Fanatics League, so uh, you is you is a uh, home dynasty, so. So uh, your whole dynasty is coming down to this game. So we'll see what happens. But um, good luck to you, man. Um, good luck to you. Good luck to all our listeners. Yeah, good luck. Good luck to you Follow guys. Follow us everywhere at the Your Fantasy. If you made it to the end, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Peace out. Good night. Peace. Fantasy football. <laughs>